0: This is a shopping bag. Now, before you judge me, why I'm not looking after God's creation using disposable shopping bags, I don't use these, okay? I had to steal them from Woolworths, the fresh food people, this week. Um, By the way, if you do use them, I'd encourage you to reuse them, and if you reuse them, little trick, time in a knot like that, so you don't have to fuss around. You're welcome. Let's assume for a second that this is the capacity of your life. It's a metaphor, I'm sure you figured that out. This is the capacity of your life and there was a point in your life where things were real, you know, simple. You were young, you were dumb, you were living with mom. (laughs) Mom was doing the shopping, the laundry, the ironing, the driving, the bill paying, dad, Dad was out working and, you know, life was just so simple, so light, so manageable. And then sweet little Susie turned 13 and all of a sudden sweet little Susie had to start dealing with things at the age of 13 that sweet little Susie wasn't dealing with at the age of 12. Not only does sweet little Susie have to start dealing with things at the age of 13 that she wasn't dealing with at the age of 12, but Mr. and Mrs. sweet little Susie have to now start taking adulting to a whole new level themselves and dealing with stuff that they weren't dealing with when sweet little Susie was 12. Life was so simple when you were single. Because you could be selfish a lot of the time, but then you got married. And all of a sudden, you had to be considerate a lot of the time. <clears throat> and you did this thing that you married somebody that's different from you, and they come from a different cultural background and they have a different personality, and, and, and they see the world differently. Things that you assumed to be the only way that things were, you discovered that they are the only way that things are. And, and that caused tension, and that caused friction. And, and there was days when being married wasn't fun anymore. Some of you, you, you lost your job. And the the ease with which you were paying your rent, your mortgage, your bills, your school fees, it wasn't so easy anymore. Now, you know, we're pretty good as humans. We're adaptable. We, we, we have this thing that are called coping mechanisms that we develop as our bag gets heavier and heavier, as our capacity to handle things gets tested. We 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 sometimes learn that you can, you know, go a little bit longer, hang in there a little bit stronger by gripping the bag with two hands. How you like me now? You you can you've even figured out that you can change hands for a period of time. Let the other one recover. <sighs> you've even figured that you can even take time where you can ignore some of the pressures, put down the bag and pick up the bottle. Put down the bag, pick up the girl. And for the time that you've picked up the bottle or picked up the girl, you can ignore the bag. That's heavy. And maybe feeling like it's starting to break, but when you get to the end of the bottle or the end of the night, while you're doing the walk of shame, you come back and discover that the bag's still there and it's still heavy. And like it or not, you have gotta pick it up again. Then you got things like shame, guilt, Facebook status, it's complicated. See, some of you right now are feeling like your capacity is at its limit and you're struggling to carry the load on your life. And then I'm pretty sure for some of you, this is what your life looks like right now. The bag's broken. We're pretty adaptable. I wear contact lenses, obviously. Wouldn't want to hide this from the world. And, um, <laughs> and uh, I, I went to my optometrist about six months ago to get some new contact lenses. And it's a new optometrist for me. I, would, I, I did go to Specsavers. So. And, um, and shout out, did a good job. So she had, they had to you know, weigh and measure my eyeballs and all this sort of stuff they do. Um, to fit me for contact lenses, but it's still a little bit of a mystery when they outsource them to get manufactured. And I have the hard ones, the gas permeable. they're, hard, they're rigid, okay? Anyway. Um, and it's not till they come back to the, sh- the shop and the optometrist plops them in and you, you know, test them out um, that they, dis- whether they discover whether they're exactly right with the curvature and the this and the that or not. And, and uh, these are pretty good, good, good. So I said to Michelle, the optometrist, yep, yeah, look, I like it. It's fine. I only live one kilometre. Uh, how difficult can it get navigating my way home? I, I, I should be fine. So I get home, and she, she, she asked me to come back in a week's time just to kind of then come back. How's it all going? How they settle down, all the rest. Of it. Come back a week's later. How's it going? I said, yeah, pretty good, pretty good. Uh, just sometimes struggling just to kind of look at a screen, you know, computer, iPad, for, for any length of time. She said, oh, yeah. She said, I can fix that. Here's what I'll do. I'll just adjust one, because my balls a different uh, strength. One's completely blind. The other one's only half blind. Uh, we'll adjust the strength of this one. Um, and if you swap that out, you, you won't meet really notice during the day. And, and, and in fact, it'll be about one to 2% better looking at the screen. And I said, cool, it's great. Uh, she said, yeah, we'll call you when it comes in. You won't have to pay for it. You just give us back this one. We'll give you the new one. It's all paid for already. And I'm like, that's good. Anyway, that was six months ago and uh, I go past that optometrist probably three to four times a week and I've already paid for the contact lens and they've already phoned me to tell me that it's in. They, in fact, phoned me six months ago to tell me it was in and then they phoned me three weeks later to remind me that it's in and I haven't been in to pick it up and it's not because it's inconvenient. I walk past this store three to four times a week. It's because I'm just, I'm, I'm good coping. I haven't got the best, but you know, It's it's pretty good. I mean, you know, it's pretty good. And that's how we can get with life sometimes. We learn to cope. But I tell you another problem is another problem is we don't like showing people that our bag's broken. We don't like admitting it, but we sometimes don't like showing it. And I'll tell you another problem, is there are some churches where you're not allowed to walk around with a broken bag. You are expected to continue with the perception of perfection. So if you've got a broken bag, you better not bring it out in public You get judged? Oh, can't cope. Huh. In some settings, in some families, in some churches, it's not okay to be not okay. And I want to make sure that we draw a very, very definitive line in the sand as Elevate Church that it is okay to be not okay. It's okay to admit your bag's broken or if it's not broken you're struggling with the weight of it it's okay. We won't leave you there. We'll pray that God will move you on and I'm going to come to that. But you don't have to hide this. You don't have to apologize for this. In fact, the place of God if I read my Bible correctly, and I do because i got good contact lenses should personify the grace. This should be the safest place on the planet to walk around with your broken bag on full display. I'm going to teach you how that works this morning. That that this, you know, we don't have to tell everyone everything. But we should feel safe telling some people everything. That they won't judge us, they won't titch-titch us, they won't gossip about what we've just shared with them in confidence, but instead they'll extend grace to us because by the way, we've all had grace extended to us and it's our responsibility to pass it on. So I'm just gonna teach today. So I'm gonna sit down, take the volume down, pull the pace back. Put on some Barry White. Mm, Yeah. If you open your Elevate app, click on the Bible tab, it'll take you to a letter or part of a letter that Paul wrote to a church in Corinth. And here's how, where I wanna pick it up. Paul wrote, All praise to God, the God and Father of our Master, Jesus the Messiah, exclamation mark. Father of all mercy, exclamation mark. God of all healing counsel, exclamation mark. Now, I don't want to, I haven't got time to go into this, but about five weeks ago, I preached a message called Chain Reactions and how some people let their chains break their praise when God would want us to use our praise to break our chains. And so when you're feeling like your bag's breaking, or your bag's already broken, one of the things you might wanna do the least is praise God, but one of the best things you can do is praise God. And if you didn't hear that message already, I encourage you to go back to it. You can listen to it on our app or you can download it from a podcatcher. It's called Chain Reactions. But here's the thing. Let's fast forward to the end of that, that sentence where Paul says, God of all healing counsel. He's describing some of the traits of God, the Father, our Master, Jesus, the Messiah, the Father of all mercy, the God of all healing counsel, the Father of all mercy, the God of all healing counsel. Parents, let me ask a question. When little Johnny comes to you, blowing snot, eyes wide open, mom, I just puked all over my my sheets in my bed. Do you say, Juddy, stop acting like a child. How dare you blow snot all over my nicely mopped floor as far as puking up all over your bed. Mate, you puked in it, you're going to have to lie in it. So go back to your room and shut the door. And I don't want to hear from you. And I sure as heck don't want to smell you. How many of you parents take that approach when little Johnny comes to you sick? Rochelle, you know, a parent, put your hand down. <laughs> Rochelle Beanie needs to show some grace to her mum right now. <laughs> um, my experience having parents and my experience observing parents is I don't know any good parent that acts like that. I don't know any loving parent that acts like that. In fact, the loving parents that I know, when little Johnny comes to them sick, fall over themselves to try and help little Johnny get better. They will even clean up little Johnny's mess. They'll, they will do anything. They will wait for hours and hours at the, at the doctor's surgery or the hospital emergency room in the commitment that Johnny will get better, that they are in that moment, mirroring the characters of God, that he's the father of all mercy, not all judgment. He's the God of all healing counsel. He's not mad at us when we're struggling. His default is healing. Paul continued, he comes alongside us when we go through hard times. Are you reading that with me? Can you see the posture? He doesn't get up in our grill. When we're going through hard times, he comes alongside us. If we understand where God stands when we're struggling, it it makes all the difference. Before you know it, he also brings us alongside someone else who's going through hard times so that we can be there for that person just as God was there for us. You see, I've discovered that that the only thing worse than being alone is being with people but feeling alone. Feeling like nobody understands, or, or worse, feeling like you can't bring your broken bag out because people are going to judge you. You don't feel safe, and so you hide the bag. It doesn't solve it. It doesn't get rid of it. In fact, it often makes it worse. I ride a Vespa, and on the front of my Vespa, shout out to Nick Willits, the Victoria Park boys with the scooters. On the front of my Vespa is a little hook at the front of the of the of the seat, and um, when I do the shopping, which is all the time, uh, I have to take the shopping and sometimes it's one bag, but sometimes it's multiple bags. I, I think my record is, is about 12. And, 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 and I have the 12 bags and I put my feet up and my knees stick into my cheeks and I scoot. It's only a kilometre. It's pretty hilarious. Um, it's probably illegal. But... What happens is, see, if you've got a car, you take your shopping, you put it in the back seat or you put it in the boot or you put it in the hatchet, you just nestle it there. You could go four-wheel driving. Yeah, maybe it'll bounce around a little bit, but it'll essentially get home with you, right? In fact, by the time you put it on your, on your back seat, or you, the bag's somewhat superfluous. Yeah, you might have to gather. For me, the bag is not superfluous. If my bag breaks when I'm scooting home, there's a problem. I'll lose my shopping. So the clever people at uh, my grocery store, they do this thing that's called, it's even got a name. It's not a very clever name. I mean, it's clever, but it's not like, I'm surprised they thought of it. It's called double bagging. And do you know that by simply double bagging, these are still equally as flimsy as each other, but by double bagging them, the potential for me to lose my shopping because my bag breaks on the way home is significantly reduced. Would you know that when you read this instruction about what God does, what His best is when we're struggling, His best isn't for us to change hands when the bag's getting heavy. His best is not for us to keep just coping and putting up with it. His best, by the way, isn't, even though you might have a theology when you walked in here this morning, to merely come alongside you, just Him, although that's pretty good in and of itself. But He says, not only does He come alongside you, He, he starts to double bag. He starts to triple bag. He, he starts to bring people around you that can help you make sure that your bag is stronger than it would be if it was just you and your flimsy bag. This is the picture of the church. And I've said this before, and guess what? I'm gonna say it again. We are called to follow Jesus For ourselves, your parents' or your grandparents' faith is not what's gonna get you a relationship with God. You have to make a decision to follow Jesus for yourself, but you cannot effectively follow Jesus by yourself. The problem is some people have an aversion to double bagging because churches don't all have a reputation of being places of grace. Paul wrote, from there, we have plenty of hard times that come from following the Messiah, but no more so than the good times of his healing comfort. We get a full measure of that too. See, God's not gonna run out of healing comfort. (laughs) Renati just said it. One of the reasons some people find it difficult to express grace and be generous towards others is they think they have this scarcity mentality, that if I give something away, I've got less to myself. But, 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 it, but, but you, you would only think that if you thought that you were the source of grace. Meaning if, I, if I'm the source and I give something of my, my grace, then I'm gonna have less grace. But when we understand it's not our grace that we received and it's not our grace that we extend, it's God's grace. And we understand that he's got an unlimited supply then we can move from a scarcity mentality to an abundance mentality that we're not only giving it away, we're looking for opportunities to give it away. We're looking for people to be gracious towards. All right. Verse six, when we suffer for Jesus, it works out for your healing and salvation. If we're treated well, given a helping hand and an encouraging word, that also works for your benefit, spurring you on, face forward, unflinching. Your hard times are also our hard times. When we see that you're just as willing to enjoy the hard times as to enjoy the good times, we know that you're gonna make it, no doubt about it. Here again, Paul's recognizing that everyone goes through hard times. And and, and even when we see your hard times, we're not put off by that. We're we're gonna continue to to do life together, to be encouraging, to be gracious towards you. We don't want you in the dark, friends. You know, sometimes you read about these Bible heroes, and you think, well, it was easy for them because they didn't face any hard times. You know, like you can write all this really fanciful, grace-filled, encouraging stuff. You know, God bless you, buddy. And you know, because but but what do you know? You know, well, this is what Paul knew. We don't want you in the dark, friends, about how hard it was when all this came down to us in Asia province. In fact, in fact, it was so bad that we didn't think we were going to make it. They had a near death experience. And all they were doing, by the way, was just trying to tell people about Jesus. We felt like we'd been sent to death row. uh, That it was all over for us. Some people would struggle to understand that this is in the Bible. That Paul, the sort of heavyweight champion of the early church, faced death for telling people about Jesus. Well, he did, and, and it flies in the face of some people's theology, of some people's worldview. It's a cultural fairy tale, not even just a church fairy tale, a cultural fairy tale that bad things only happen to bad people. That, that if you've got something bad happening to you, it must be because upstream you did something bad, and because you did something bad upstream, obviously, something bad's happening to you, and you deserve it. That's a cultural fairy tale, because bad things happen to good people. There's a church fairy tale that if you follow Jesus, nothing bad will ever happen to you. Uh, that's a fairy tale. Um, <laughs> I've even heard people say that if you follow Jesus and something bad happens to you, it must be because you sinned. Now, most sin does have consequences the reason God tells us not to do it, because you damage yourself and you damage people around you. But to sit in judgment about people who are experiencing some challenges in their life and go, hmm, honey, I wonder what they must have done. I wonder what sin they committed. Hmm, It's not God's best. There's also a church cliche that God will never give you more than you can handle. And uh, I've already preached on that twice this year. This is so prevailing in our society. I preached on it in January in a series called God Never Said That. (laughs) God will never give you more than you can handle. Well, you said it, but God didn't. So I'm going to listen to him. Uh, So you can go back and listen to that, by the way. I also preached on it a couple of months ago, a message called Making Friends with Frustration. And we track our podcast numbers and Making Friends with Frustration Is the most listened to message in the history of Elevate Church. Seems to me that a lot of people are feeling frustrated and want to know what to do about it. But the reality is God does give you more than you can handle. In fact, this is what Paul went on to write. As it turned out, God giving us more than we can handle, having a near-death experience, was the best thing that could have happened. Because instead of trusting on our own strength or wits to get out of it, we were forced to trust God totally. Oh. (laughs) <laughs> but not a bad idea, since he's the God who raised the dead. Let me ask a question. How many of you have, well, maybe not recently, just ever, how many of you have ever raised someone from the dead? Just hands up, honestly. Anyone? Graham, put your hand down. Anyone else that's, is it? So, so here, Okay. Well, I, no, my, me neither, it's just, no. Okay, so none of us have ever raised someone from the dead and yet often when we face challenging circumstances and we have a choice in whom we place our trust, us who've never raised anyone from the dead or God who's done it a few times, pretty good at it, proven track record, we choose to put our trust in ourselves. And now I've done it, so I'm not sitting here looking down my dad-sized nose at you because you're doing it or have done it. I've done it. But here's the thing, when we choose to place our trust in our own strength, when, by the way, we're running out of strength, and not in the God who has unlimited strength, whose strength is so much that, that, that your full shoving bag don't even barely uh, cause a blip on his radar compared to having the power to raise someone from the dead. We are the village idiot when we choose us over God when we're struggling. And he did it. He rescued us from certain doom, and He'll do it again, rescuing us as many times, unlimited, as we need rescuing. You and your prayers are part of the rescue operation. I don't want you in the dark about that either. I can see your faces even now, which for me is not true. I can only see you if you're sitting in the front three rows. Lifted in praise for God's deliverance of us. A rescue in which your prayers played such a crucial part.